Hello and welcome to the Point of Care podcast. Today's topic is transfusion reactions. As an introduction, we don't transfuse whole blood, but rather components of blood, including packed red cells, platelets, plasma, which includes clotting factors, and cryoprecipitate, which is fibrinogen. After blood is collected, it's centrifuged in sequence with removal of different components at each step. This leads to packed reds with some leftover white blood cells that are then leukodepleted and or irradiated. Platelets that have some donor antibodies in them and plasma that has clotting factors and fibrinogen. Cryoprecipitate is a smaller volume that just has the fibrinogen and is useful in DIC. One unit of packed red cells raises hemoglobin by about one unit. One unit of platelets raises the platelets by about 20 to 50. The plasma response is variable, and two units are often given at first to assess the patient's response in their INR. The response to cryoprecipitate is also variable. Historically, platelets have been given as six units per dose when the platelets were taken from whole blood. When taken from phoresis, the blood bank creates one dose that's equivalent to the historical six units. So when you're ordering, make sure you know exactly how much you're ordering, and this tends to be institution dependent. When we say type and screen, typing is checking for the ABO type. Screening is looking for antigens on the donor RBCs that the host may have antibodies against. Crossmatch is either done electronically if the screen is negative or manually searching for compatible blood if the screen is positive. Type and screens need to be sent every three days because the reactivity of the antibodies present in the blood sample might not be as robust after sitting for a period of time. This ensures that something isn't missed. Also, if patients receive product, it's possible during the course of the admission that they'll develop antibodies against donor antigens that would only be seen on a repeat sample. A massive transfusion protocol involves giving RBCs, platelets, and plasma in a one-to-one-to-one ratio. The reason we do this is to avoid coagulopathy through dilution. You need to be on the lookout for hypocalcemia from the citrate preservative, hyperkalemia from lysis of cells, and hypothermia from the cooled products going into the bloodstream. Acute hemolytic transfusion reaction is caused by ABO compatibility. Donor RBCs are destroyed by host antibodies, or donor antibodies destroy the host RBCs via complement activation, which leads to hemolysis and possibly DIC. This only happens when there's a human mistake. Febrile non-hemolytic transfusion reactions is flu-like symptoms caused by cytokines from donor white blood cells, usually left over in packed red cells. Anaphylaxis is a type 1 reaction to donor plasma proteins, often in an IgA deficiency. Trolley, or transfusion-related acute lung injury, is a lung injury due to HLA antibodies that activate white blood cells in the host, which then release cytokines, leading to inflammation and edema in the lungs, 
causing an ARDS-like picture, and is unfortunately incredibly severe. Transfusion-associated circulatory overload, or TACO, is not exactly a transfusion reaction, and it's instead fluid overload from the volume of product that's given, often leading to pulmonary edema. If you're concerned about a transfusion reaction, as a checklist, always start with the ABCs. Assess for respiratory distress, evidence of shock, or new bleeding that might suggest the patient has DIC. If you're concerned, stop the transfusion, check the blood product to ensure that it matches the patient, alert the blood bank, send a reaction panel, which includes direct Coombs, a repeat typing screen, and a crossmatch. You should also send the remaining blood that's in the bag to the lab. And don't restart the transfusion until a severe reaction is ruled out. Things that you can't miss include an acute hemolytic transfusion reaction, trolley, and taco. An initial treatment that you should be considering include giving Tylenol, Benadryl, fluids, oxygen, and presser if the patient's hemodynamically unstable. For your intake, get their history, including whether they've had any prior reactions, whether they need to be pre-medicated. Again, clinically look for respiratory distress, bleeding, nausea, vomiting, or flushing. Look for hypotension, fever, the development of new rash, whether the patient's wheezing suggesting anaphylaxis or strider, and check their volume status looking for their JVP and if they have any new crackles or evidence of edema. Along with the transfusion workup, you can also send a CBC, hemolysis labs, a BMP, coags, and a urinalysis. You can also get a chest x-ray if you're concerned for trolley, an NT ProBNP, and POCUS the patient if you're concerned about overload or TACO, and you can get blood cultures if you're concerned for sepsis. If the patient is having a minor reaction, you can premedicate with Tylenol and Benadryl and then run the product at a slower rate. If you're more concerned about a serious reaction, send the above reaction workup, give them fluids, and consider pressors. If you remember nothing else, be judicious with who you choose to transfuse. Severe reactions are rare, but life-threatening. Severe reactions can initially present like mild reactions, including fevers, local rash, and itching. The first time a patient has symptoms, the transfusion should be stopped and a workup should be sent to rule out severe reaction before you retransfuse. Patients with mild symptoms can be premedicated with Tylenol and Benadryl. That's all for this episode. Check out pointofcaremedicine.com to see the templates we discussed, as well as the pearls, literature, and links to other resources.